Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of gluttony. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about Japan's kitchen, a little town known as Osaka, which is actually not a little town at all. It's a huge city. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a mega city, but <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, one of the big three that tourists really like to visit, along with Kyoto and Tokyo. And to address that gluttony thing, historically, Tokyoites had uh, stereotypes about Osakans, that they were gluttons. To some extent, that stereotype still persists today, but Osaka is known as a place with a lot of amazing food. Yeah, I think people from Tokyo are just low-key jealous. Probably. And they would want to eat all that food, too, if they could. Not that Tokyo doesn't have good food, too, but... All of Japan has good food. I feel like almost every episode, we're like, this place has amazing food. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always true. Yeah, they all do. We've talked about those regional specialties before. Got to try them all. Yep. So to give you an idea of what Osaka is about, before we get into the nitty gritty, it is located on the main island of Honshu in the Kansai region of Japan. We did a whole episode about the Kansai region very early on, right? Wasn't that episode three or something? It was very early. Yeah, I think it was three. But the Kansai region is west and a little bit south of Tokyo. It takes about two and a half hours by bullet train. Osaka is located on the east edge of Osaka Bay and is the capital city of Osaka Prefecture. It is the largest city in the Keihanshin metro area. So Which is massive. Yes, it's the second largest metro area in the country. And we've, we've talked before about the greater Tokyo area, which has like a third of the population of Japan. I can't get over how insanely huge Tokyo is because the Keihanshin metro area, in second place, still only has half the amount of people that the Tokyo area has. Which is still a sixth of the nation's population. True, yeah. <laughs> I saw a map the other day of Tokyo overlaid over England, and it took up a massive chunk. Like, Tokyo's just big. Yeah. It just keeps going. Yeah, it's huge. So the people in Osaka are really cool. They're known to be laid back, outspoken, friendly. Like, in all of Japan, they're probably some of the easiest people to just have a conversation with. Sure. Traditionally, historically, Osaka was considered Japan's economic hub and a merchant city. So that kind of feel has persisted to today. And it is also a major financial center these days. It is home to the Osaka Securities Exchange, as well as the multinational electronics companies Panasonic and Sharp, you've Ooh, heard of. Yeah. And yeah, there's just a ton of stuff to do and see and eat there. Got a beautiful castle, has the oldest Buddhist temple in Japan. One thing about Osaka that's one of its claims to fame on the internet, maybe, is Osakan imagery is really heavily associated with synthwave music for like music videos, background imagery. Really? Specifically like the neon lit areas okay. of Osaka. Yeah, I just thought like that must be... I can imagine pictures of Dotonbori along with synthwave music because yes, yeah, just exactly. so bright and lit up and like it looks like a futuristic kind of Japan, right? Yep. Yeah, for whatever reason, a ton of that imagery comes from Osaka. Cool. Yeah. 
It's time to talk history. You know it. What's the farthest back thing you got on Osaka, Jason? Some of the oldest signs of human life in that area are from the 6th to the 5th centuries BCE. So over 2,500 years ago? Yep. That's a while ago. That's yep. like around when rice first came to Japan, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So in the Kofun period, which started in 300 CE, the area developed into a hub port, connecting it with other parts of Japan. And there are actually a bunch of tomb mounds from around that time that suggest that that's when the area started to become a center for political power. Control the trade, you control a lot of power. Mm-hmm. So the area actually had an imperial palace as early as around 400 CE. Wow. But it's unclear. That may have been a secondary residence. Yeah, I saw that too. It might have just been a summer home or something. Mm-hmm. But in 645, Emperor Kotoku built the Naniwa Nagara Toyosaki Palace, officially making Osaka the capital of Japan, although at the time it was known as Naniwa. Yeah, it stayed the capital for about 10 years till the capital moved, which it used to move a lot. Yeah. It moved to Asuka, which is in Nara Prefecture today, nearby. But uh, Naniwa, as it was known, you said, remained a vital seaport and connection to the rest of Japan and Korea and China for trade as well. Mm -hmm. Still a pretty important place. And it actually became the capital again in 744. Briefly, right? (laughs) Yeah, that one only lasted about a year, (laughs) after which it was moved to modern-day Nara, which is known as the ancient capital of Japan. Yeah, Nara, the first permanent capital. Mm Mm-hmm. Permanent being about 100 years, I think. But yeah, emperors used to do just whatever they want. I want to go live there now. And they just build a palace and like, it's the capital now. And like the next emperor would pick their own city to live in. Mm -hmm. I mean, the original emperors, people believed that they were descendants of the gods, right? So they could kind of, the capital was wherever they were. Yeah. (laughs) They could just go wherever. Yeah. (laughs) I would just follow them around. Mm -hmm. So the next thing I had was in 1496. And I got a lot of notes about this because I just think it's an awesome story involving warrior monks. I mean, how cool is that? (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's hear the story. All right. So 1496, this is arguably where Osaka's rise to Japan's second largest city began. So there's this monk, Renyo. He was a revivalist of Jodo Shinshu Buddhism, and he retired to Naniwa and built his retirement home on a big hill, the word for a big hill in Japanese is Ozaka, which may sound a little familiar. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that word was used to describe the area, actually, and that eventually morphed into Osaka, its current name. But yeah, so Renyo, this monk, he was just looking to get away and be by himself and live out his retirement in peace, you know? But he was a popular guy. And he quickly gained a bunch of followers that came up to the mountain and were like, hey, man, I want to live with you and learn from you. Is that cool? And he was like, ah, okay. And so all these followers and devotees expanded his temple into a big complex that eventually became known as Ishiyama Honganji. They couldn't just let him retire. I know. Like, come teach us. Like, he's retired. What don't you understand about that? Yeah. He was a nice guy, though, I guess. He's like, yeah, sigh, okay. Yeah. So he actually died a few years later, 
And after his death, this complex became a cathedral fortress for warrior monks, known as the Iko Iki. And during the Warring States period, when all these warlords are running around Japan, fighting for land and power, these warrior monks just hung out on the top of this hill and was like, don't mess with us. We're doing our own thing. We don't want to be involved in all your petty squabbles. Yeah. So they would have like a hundred monks patrolling the area at all times. And then if they rang a bell at the top of the hill, they could call a thousand monks to arms all at once. They were pretty formidable, and it was not an easy place to attack. So that was pretty cool, but it couldn't last forever, of course. Nope. So toward the end of the Warring States period, in 1576, Oda Nobunaga, who we've mentioned before, I think in the Samurai episode, right? Yeah. We've talked about him a few times. Yeah. Important figure in Japanese history, for yeah, sure. very much so. He was considered the first great unifier of Japan. So, you know, if he's unifying the rest of the country, he can't just have this little group of warrior monks on a hill doing their own thing. Nope, couldn't have that. Yeah, they got to come into the fold. So Oda laid siege to the fortress. Oh, I'm sure he got in in like a month or two, right? 11 years. Oh, man. <laughs> the longest siege in Japanese history, even. Wow. Yeah. So after 11 years, the abbot surrendered and the entire complex was burned down. That's Although, too bad. Yeah. And it's unclear who burned it down, actually. Some people think it was burned by the monks to prevent Oda Nobunaga from really gaining anything by conquering them. But from death comes rebirth. And Toyotomi Hideyoshi, another very famous figure in Japanese history. And the successor to Nobunaga. Yep. He constructed Osaka Castle on the place of the burned down temple in mm -hmm. 1583. Yeah. So where Osaka Castle sits now has so much history on that spot, even going back before Osaka Castle existed. Yeah, so cool. During the Edo period, Osaka was really flourishing economically, and the city had a very large merchant class. And maybe partly because of that, they developed a really famous theater and arts culture. A lot of kabuki theaters and bunraku theaters because uh, merchants sometimes have too much money they know what to do with. So they uh, start theaters, I guess. Yeah, that's what entertainment was like in the 1700s. <laughs> People go to the theater. What else is there? They don't have movies. Yeah, it was like the movie of the day. Yeah. Going to theaters is still great, by the way. Yeah, totally. And there are still places you can go and see those traditional arts, too. But as we talked about in our Kansai episode, and as we alluded to earlier, Osakans were still seen as somewhat less cultured by citizens of Tokyo at the time, Edo. So stereotypes characterized them as stingy, greedy, gluttonous, and lewd. Yeah, one famous writer from Edo described Osakans as stingy almost beyond belief. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a strong way of putting it. They're not just cheap. It's unbelievable how cheap they are. Yeah. Pretty extreme. I'm pretty sure that was directed probably at the ruling merchant class of the time. Or maybe not ruling, but dominant, economically dominant merchant class. Yeah. There was actually an uprising in Osaka. In 1837, a low-ranking samurai, Oshio Heihachiro, led a peasant insurrection 
in response to the city's unwillingness to support the many poor and suffering families of the area. Hmm. I actually heard that their philosophy of the time kind of sounds familiar politically. Instead of actually helping poor people, they decided to like emphasize family ties and your family can all help each other out and pull yourself up from the bootstraps. I'm pretty sure they didn't say that, but mm. I feel like that's almost kind of like what the idea was. Interesting. Well, let's just help themselves, but a quarter of the city got burned down in that uprising. Wow. And of course, uh, Oshio killed himself afterwards, because that's what happens when you fail an uprising in Japan. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. In 1868, just before the Meiji Restoration, Osaka was open to foreign trade, along with nearby Kobe, and rapidly industrialized, becoming known as the Manchester of the Orient. Really? I didn't hear that. Yeah. The Manchester. I mean, I'm sorry, anyone from England, but... Manchester doesn't mean anything to me. Like I don't know anything about Manchester other than there's a soccer team there. Yeah. Oh, it's a big city. But yeah, I don't, I don't have much of a... Isn't Manchester where uh, Daphne from Fraser was from? I don't recall. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of mental connections to, to Manchester. Uh, development continued through the 1900s until, of course, World War II. Uh, Osaka was bombed by the U.S., but recovered soon after, and like the rest of Japan, rapidly continued to modernize. And that's all I got for history. <laughs> and now we have Osaka today. Yeah. There's a lot more. Osaka history was really fascinating. Yeah. Like, we really cut that down. Like, yeah. there, there was a lot of cool things and interesting things that happened in Osaka over the years. Definitely. It just didn't seem right to have history be, like, half of my notes for <laughs> the entire episode. <laughs> I was trying not to do that, and I almost maybe did that. Yeah, me too. So, Jason is going to guide us through Osaka. Were you planning on starting at the north? That was the plan, yeah. Okay. So, we get to Osaka. We're on the north side of town. What are we going to do? What are we going to see? Well. And where are we? We're in downtown Osaka. Downtown, in the north, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. first I want to just say there are two main areas of downtown Osaka. There's the north, Kita. Got a lot of words here I should explain, I guess. Kita is literally north. That's the Japanese word for north. And that area is centered around Umeda. And then Minami, which is the Japanese word for south, southern Osaka is centered around the Namba and Shinsaibashi area. Okay. Both areas have long histories as upscale entertainment districts, but the north was historically where samurai might have hung out when they were traveling through, and the south was more for commoners and tradespeople. Okay. okay. So these days, they still sort of hold on to those... Maybe it's a divide of white-collar, blue-collar more these days rather than samurai and lower classes. Yeah, you could say that. So the north, you're going to find a refined urban space with high-end restaurants and bars and hotels. And the south is more known as a hub for youth culture, more of a laid-back clientele. Nice. Mm -hmm. So we're starting up north, Kita, Umeda. Umeda has the HEP 5 Ferris wheel, an iconic landmark where you can get great views of the city for only 500 yen. All right. Mm -hmm. Also nearby is the Umeda Sky Building, 
Yeah, speaking of great views, yeah. there's an observation deck on the top of that building that's supposed to give some of the best views of Osaka. Yeah, on the 40th floor. And this the building is really cool looking. Yeah, the building's amazing. It's like these two giant towers, and then they're connected by a platform at the very top with like a big circle cut in the middle of it, kind of. Yeah, there's a big circle, like not there. It's really cool. Yeah, and you can walk all the way around the platform, get 360 degree views of the city. Yeah, I've heard it recommended to go up there at night and see all the lights. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So south of north is south. (laughs) Minami. Uh, So like I said, Shinsaibashi is in the south. That has been the city's most popular shopping district for 400 years. (laughs) Wow. You can also find food, bars, clubs. There's also an area there called Amemura or Amerikamura. America town. Yeah. There's something sort of similar in Tokyo next to Ueno Station, Amea Yokocho. I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, they have a lot of American style boutiques, shops, thrift stores. Sometimes even flea markets will pop up with street performers. There's a replica Statue of Liberty on the top of a building. How many replicas of the Statue of Liberty do they have in Japan? At least two. <laughs> yeah. There's another one in Tokyo. In yeah. Odaiba. Yeah. Uh, Marikamura is definitely a center of the Japanese youth culture and fashion in Japan. So many trendy clothes and stuff you can find there. Yeah. We're going to learn all about that when we finally get to our Japanese denim episode. <laughs> and... uh I've heard Amerikamura described as a really great people-watching spot. Hmm. So you can drink in public in Japan, or not if you don't want to, but you can grab a couple beers and just like kind of find a spot, and just like watch a bunch of really interesting people. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a fun place to experience a sort of fusion between Eastern and Western culture. Yeah. You can watch the Japanese youth take Western trends and kind of make them their own, Mm -hmm. as they do with so many things. Yeah. Where should we wander to next, Jason? Well, south of Shinsaibashi, you got the Namba area. And there's a very famous canal that runs through there called Dotombori. That's the name of the canal and the street that runs alongside it. And it's a really cool place. Super lively, lots of neon lights, like I mentioned. They also, there are a lot of restaurants there with these giant animatronic signs over them. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And a bunch of the restaurants in Osaka have huge, like, signs or almost, like, even sculptures, you could say, of the type of food that they have there. Right. So I know you've posted, I think on Instagram before, that big picture of the crab. Yeah, I think I did post that. And it's got the legs moving around and stuff. Yeah, and it's, man, it's like 20 feet wide or 30 feet wide or whatever. Yeah, it's huge. A bunch of places that you see a big crepe hanging over the door. Oh, they sell crepes or oh, they sell fish. Mm-hmm. Just all up and down. It's just really cool. Everything's right on the canal. So it's beautiful and you got all the lights. Yeah, it's a really interesting place just to wander around and look at stuff. Yeah, um, every evening. It's really impressive when everything lights up. Mm-hmm. Paul, have you been there? Yes, but during the day. Uh, did you see the famous Glico Man? I did, yeah. What's that? That's the big sign that's lit up with a man running. 
Looks yeah. like he's running, right? Yeah, he's like on a track. Like he's yeah. running in a race. He's holding his arms up like he just won or something. Yeah. So this sign, Glico. Glico is one of Japan's most famous confectionery companies. And they've had this huge, I mean, huge, it's a huge sign. Yeah. And it's all lit up, hanging over the canal. It's been there for over 80 years. Well, I didn't know that sign was that old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I was there, I was, I was a little disappointed because they were like repairing the lights or something. Yeah. So they just had a non-lit up like poster kind of thing hanging over it. Ah, that's too bad. Yeah. I didn't get to see it all lit up. But yeah. Dotonbori is great. Definitely spend time walking around, checking out shops, trying out food. There's a lot of good street food there too. You can try some uh, takoyaki, octopus balls, bunch of restaurants selling all sorts of good Osaka food. Yeah. Speaking of canals, I just remembered reading about Osaka. There are canals all over the city, and there used to be way, way more. There were over 1,000 bridges in Osaka at one point. Wow. And now it's down to like 600 and some because they filled in some of the canals and like made them streets. Hmm. I thought that was really interesting. It was it known as like a city of bridges. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, given its history as a merchant city. You'd need to be able to get all these goods to every part of the city, right? Yeah, get it to the warehouse, get it wherever. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Paul, you mentioned Bunraku earlier. Yeah. About a block away from Dotonbori, you can find the National Bunraku Theater, where you can actually see live Bunraku, which is a form of puppet theater. You got these big puppets, puppeteers put on shows about epics and legends from Japanese history. There's even English translations available. So that's a fun cool. place to check out. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Just south of Dotonbori, you're going to find Osaka's Kitchen. You said that Osaka is Japan's kitchen, but Osaka also has its own kitchen, which is a place called Kuromon Market. That must be like the best food in the world. I bet they got a lot of good stuff. <laughs> So this place is a huge covered shopping street. You can find shops, restaurants, lots of fresh seafood, and all that, you know, all the good Osaka food that they're known for. A little south of there is Nipponbashi Denden Town. Denden Town. I love that. Yeah, it's a fun name. It seems like a pretty fun place. What would one do in Denden Town? You're going to find the same kind of people in Denden Town that you would find in Akihabara in Tokyo. Aha, few arcades around. Lots of otaku stuff. Yeah. Video games, electronics, manga and anime, maid cafes. They got maid cafes even in Osaka. Oh yeah, they're big in Osaka. Mm -hmm. Cosplay stores. All right. I'd cosplay if I had a good enough costume. Definitely not going to make my own. Let's get you to Denden Town. (laughs) Dress you up like uh, Chica. (laughs) <laughs> do a nice dance like chica i don't know if i can pull chica off we'll see have faith in yourself paul <laughs> south of denden town is shinsekai and this name is a little ironic because shinsekai literally translates to new world but this is actually an older district of osaka that was developed in the early 1900s really mm-hmm but that name Shinsekai comes from the fact that when it was developed, it was super modern. The north side of it was modeled after Paris, and the south side was modeled after New York's Coney Island. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Ferris is iconic, but if I was going to build a new city, I don't think I would model it on Paris. Really? I mean, there's like a casino in Las Vegas that's modeled after Paris, isn't isn't there? Well, that's or am I thinking a Venice? casino. Or both. Venice. There's a Venice casino. I don't do Vegas. <laughs> it shows. That's fine. I actually, the other day, I just watched a 50-minute documentary about renovating Paris during Napoleon years because it just wasn't a good city. <laughs> hmm. They did a lot of good work. Kicked a lot of people out of their houses and tore them down to build better streets and new streets. Like this was Napoleon's idea to improve it? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was him. And then uh, his grandson, I think, Napoleon III, did a bunch more, like 50 years later. Interesting. Yeah. All those roads that lead straight into the Arc, Arc de, de Triomphe, Triomphe yeah. that was then. That's when they built those. Like, those roads didn't lead there when Napoleon built yeah. that arch. Yeah, that was the biggest thing I remembered about Napoleon in Paris was the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. So actually, in a way, they built the modern city around the Arc de Triomphe. Hmm. Anyways, we're getting off topic here. Yeah. Didn't expect Napoleon to come up in this episode. <laughs> you brought up Paris, and then I went running. That's okay. Uh, so she and Sekai. These days, it's a somewhat nostalgic place. You can find old school arcades there and kind of just a vintage sort of feel. Arcades are the best when they're old school. Yeah, there's I don't know actually why that is. maybe because I'm an adult now and I'm just remembering all my good childhood memories. Yeah, it, I mean it's totally nostalgic. Even old places in Japan can feel nostalgic for like a time that you weren't around to experience. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this reminds me of a place I visited. There's this old school arcade west of Tokyo by Lake Sagami. I saw this place in a, a manga, and I just had to see what it looked like because it's like really retro arcade like all the all this old stuff it was pretty cool although when i went there it wasn't even open ah yeah. you've been having bad luck this episode going places and trying to see things yeah <laughs> they're always renovating stuff and i mean that was a pretty obscure place that probably isn't open very often anyway yeah but it's like you're going to see really old stuff like they just need to do work on it sometimes yeah there's definitely been temples and buildings that i've gone to that are just covered in scaffolding and Okay, can't really see it too much, but... <laughs> yeah, if you go to Kyoto and try to see a bunch of temples, you'll definitely run into one that's being renovated. Yep. It's unavoidable. Yep. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back to Shinsekai. This is also known for something called kushikatsu, which is a popular Osaka food. These are basically deep-fried skewers. You can buy skewers with all sorts of stuff on them, like meat, vegetables, seafood, whatever. Yeah, I mean, deep-fried skewers, what's there not to like about that, right? Yeah, they do, like, everything. Mm -hmm. Anything that you can stab onto a skewer, they fry it. Yeah. If you go east of Shinsekai, you're going to run into a place called Shitennoji, the oldest Buddhist temple in Japan. Ooh, how old is it? It was constructed in 593. Wow, Yeah, that, that was old. like. Right when Buddhism came to Japan from China. Yeah, that is like first wave Buddhism right there. Mm -hmm. And it's been rebuilt since then, of course, but still pretty cool that it's been there for so long. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a five-story pagoda there. Wow. If you're into pagodas. Uh, sometimes there is a flea market there, too. You can pick up like old kimono, antiques, pottery, that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Just south of there. 
I mean, all, all this stuff is pretty close together. Like you could walk between all these places. You know, I'm kind of trying to lead you along a path, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Uh, so south of there, there's an enormous building called Abeno Harukasu, Japan's tallest skyscraper. Paul, how tall do you think this building is? Um, 800 feet. Bigger. 1,200 feet. Smaller. <laughs> 900 feet. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> 300 meters tall, which is almost 1,000 feet. Okay. That's a big building. Mm -hmm. Inside it, it has the largest department store in Japan. It has an art museum. It has a hotel. And if you want another observation deck to see the city, there is an observation deck that takes up floors 58 59 and 60. What? Yeah. Three floors for yeah. an observation deck? Yeah, but 58 stories high. That's crazy. That must be an amazing view. You build the tallest building in the country, you kind of got to put an observation deck in it. Pretty much. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So let's see. A little south from there, we talked about the oldest Buddhist temple in Japan. But Osaka also has one of Japan's oldest shrines, Sumiyoshi Taisha. This one was founded in the 3rd century, before Buddhism even came to Japan. Wow. And it's really cool looking because it was created before Buddhism came. Like when Buddhism came to Japan, and we talked in the architecture episode, how it influenced shrine architecture, it influenced a lot of architectural stuff yeah. in Japan. So this shrine is one of the few shrines in Japan where you can see a style of purely Japanese architecture free from Chinese influence. Yeah, there's only so many buildings that old. Mm -hmm. The most noticeable characteristic is that you don't have those curved roofs. They're straight. Everything is just straight beams, straight angles, no curves. Interesting. Yeah. This is also the main and most famous of over 2,000 sumiyoshi shrines in Japan. And these, these shrines enshrine the kami that protect travelers, fishermen, and sailors. Fishermen and sailors together, okay. And then travelers too, interesting. I can see why that'd maybe, be a popular one, especially in Japan. Yeah, maybe they're talking travelers by boat. Yeah. And they're all linked by yeah. you know, the sea. So on the east side of the city, Kind of a little bit further east than all this other stuff. There's a place that, Paul, I know you have been to. Is it on a big hill? It is, and its name is Joe. Uh, Osaka Joe? Osaka Joe. <laughs> As in Osaka Castle. Mm -hmm. It is a beautiful, full castle grounds. So it's got the moat, the walls, a couple reconstructed buildings. And then the reconstructed castle itself. Yeah, the main keep. Very yeah. impressive. Like, I mean, it's, it's really pretty. It's one of my favorites in Japan. It's beautiful. I love the big fish at the top, mm -hmm. right on the two corners of the roof. Those are really cool. The whole keep has been turned into a museum. So you get to walk around and tour the grounds, which is like a public park now. And then you get to go into the museum. And it's just got lots of amazing stuff. I definitely spent at least a couple hours in there going up and down all the floors, reading everything. Yeah. And I really want to go back because I've learned so much 
about history from doing this podcast, I feel like all that stuff in there would make a lot more sense to me now. Same. It all mean more. Yeah. Lots of, I remember old guns and armor and swords, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And a lot of detail, I feel like, about uh, Toyotomi Hideyoshi. Yeah. Yeah, that was his, I don't know if it was his hometown, but it was his power base, for yeah. sure. Yeah. We already talked about. We already oh, yeah. mentioned oh. that Hideyoshi built Osaka right, Castle. Right. Yeah, 1583. And, you know, it's been destroyed since then. You said it was. Rebuilt. Rebuilt, most recently in 1995. There's also a pretty cool gift shop that I recall. I don't know. I, I like gift shops. <laughs> That's always been a thing <laughs> for me. But uh, one of the cool things I remember about this one specifically is that you can throw shuriken, like little ninja stars, in the gift shop. Like there's a little place where you can throw them at targets on the wall. That's cool. Yeah. I remember throwing some shuriken at the Renaissance Festival last year. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, there too. It is fun. Find all sorts of other Osaka souvenirs there too. You got uh, little octopus, little red plush octopuses. Yeah. Octopi. 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 I've still got an Osaka keychain. Hmm. That you know how you draw fortunes at a temple? There's a little slit that opens in the top of this keychain. And if you shake it, like a little fortune pops out. And yeah, you can uh, check your fortune for the day. Nice. I believe I still have some socks that I got at that gift shop that say samurai on them. <laughs> samurai socks. <laughs> yeah. And they even have like the divided toe, you know. <laughs> How come I never see you wearing those? I don't wear them that often. You always got slippers on. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and actually our last episode was about Hanami. That park around the castle is supposed to be a great place to see Hanami in the spring. Yeah. And I bet especially with the castle rising up behind the trees, oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah, there's got to be so many people out there taking that perfect picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that sometimes they have street performers out there too. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've seen a lot of street performers in Japan. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I haven't seen a ton. Probably only in certain areas, you know? Yeah. I feel like Dotonbori would have performers. It could. Notonbori's a little tight, though. They yeah. want them causing traffic jams on the sidewalks. Yeah. But maybe. Anyway, so Osaka Joe, Osaka Castle is on the east side of the city. On the west side of the city, we got Osaka Bay, right? Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff around the bay. Yeah. There's an aquarium, and the building just looks so cool. It's supposed to be one of the best aquariums in the world, too. Yeah, it's massive and displays all sorts of life from the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. It's called the Kaiyukan. They have over 30,000 animals there. Wow. In 15 different exhibits. And each exhibit is supposed to simulate a different environment found around the Pacific Rim. Yeah. There's a massive Ferris wheel outside, too, that I mm. took a spin on. Hmm. Didn't go in the aquarium, but rode the Ferris wheel. And it kind of gives you a view over the bay and of the west side of the city. So I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Speaking of Osaka Bay, it just reminded me. I remember this Japanese poem that says something about the reeds of Naniwa Bay. Hmm. And I never knew what that meant. But now hmm. it must have been written back when Osaka was Naniwa. Yeah. And I just never, where's Naniwa? I didn't know what that meant, but... Cool. That just like clicked for me. Where did you hear this poem? In anime. 
Oh. About a card game where you read poems. Oh. And then you like the, slap the card with talk, the rest of the poem on it. Yeah, we talked about that in the New Year's episode. Karuta. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. Cool. Got anything else around the bay? No. What about you? I got a couple things. Over there on the west side, you can find Universal Studios Japan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I really want to go to this place. And on my last trip, I tried to make time to get there. Couldn't fit it in. But if you're into Harry Potter, they have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And I mean, there's one in Florida too, right? And there's one in Los Angeles that I went to a few times. You went to the Harry Potter place? Yeah, it's inside Universal Studios. Oh, I'm jealous. In uh, L.A. Yeah, one of my coworkers worked there as well. So she gets free tickets like once a year, which was awesome. And I'm not even into Harry Potter at all. But the Harry Potter place was still super cool. Like everybody was dressed up. The ride in there was really cool. And then they had a big bar too, where you could get your butterbeer. Is that what yeah, it's called? I want to try that butterbeer, man. Yeah, they've got the butterbeer. It's really good. Sounds like it. But the cool thing about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Japan... The gift shop? <laughs> I'm sure they have amazing <laughs> gift shops. But this is actually the only Hogwarts, I believe, that actually has the lake in front of it, just like in the movies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no lake in LA. Mm-hmm. You can also check this out. Paul, do you, you know what Ollivander's is? No. Ollivander's is where you get your wand. Okay. So, of course, you can go to Ollivander's and get your wand, but the cool thing is you can actually use the wand to do magical things. What sort of magical things? I don't remember specifics, or maybe I should phrase it as, I don't want to give any spoilers. Okay, okay. but Go find out for yourself. Yeah, there are places in the park where you can wave your wand and you say a spell and things will actually happen. What? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you say, say the spell too. Wow. Sounds so fun. That's... Pretty incredible, actually. I know. <laughs> and of course, if you're into other Universal movies, they got attractions based on like Jaws, Jurassic Park, Despicable Me. There's some Minion stuff there. Always Minion stuff. Always. Spider-Man, you know. There's that stuff too, but come on. Harry Potter it looks so cool. Yep. Also in the Bay Area is a place called... Why do I always say a place called, it's just the Maishima Pottery Museum. You can see some beautiful pottery, but also you can make your own pot out of clay, marine clay found in the waters around Osaka. That's cool. Yep. You make your pot, you can glaze it, and then they will fire it in a kiln after you leave and they'll mail it to your home. So you can have your own little handmade souvenir from Osaka. You answered my question. I was immediately like, how am I going to get it home then? I know. Isn't that cool though? <laughs> That's awesome. What else you got, Paul? Namba Yasaka Shrine. Nothing really special about this shrine, except that it has a building shaped like a lion's head. That and it looks cool. so cool. Yeah, it Like does. I want to go there just to see that building. Yeah. I feel like the building's about to eat me. That was all. I got a fun Osaka fact. I don't know if you mentioned it earlier. Takoyaki originated in Osaka. I mentioned that was a a food you can get there, but I guess I didn't say it it originated there. Yeah. Cool. 
maybe that's why the octopus is kind of like the mascot of Osaka. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, takoyaki is very much connected with Osaka. Like you can find it around Japan, but Osaka is what it's... It's the birthplace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of food, I got a, l- a little section here about food. Okay. So Osaka, you know, Japan's kitchen, home of gluttons, according to Tokyoites, also known as the food capital of the world. I saw there's a fun saying, Kyotoites are financially ruined by overspending on clothing, but Osakans are ruined by spending on food. Definitely someone from Tokyo came up with that saying. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and there was another phrase I think you mentioned to me before we started recording, right? Mm-hmm. Osaka wa kuidaore. Residents of Osaka devour their food until they collapse. Sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes just got to stuff yourself until you can't anymore. Yep. Not every day, though. No, I probably shouldn't do that every day. Yeah. Yeah, Osaka is known for, like you said, takoyaki, but a lot of other amazing foods too. Okonomiyaki, udon, oshizushi. And we've talked about all these before in, in past episodes, but uh, oshizushi is that pressed sushi. You press it into a box and you slice it up that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like perfectly square. Mm-hmm. Okonomiyaki. Pancake-like thing with lots of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like a savory pancake. You can just stuff whatever you want in there. You know, my fiance still talks about when she went to Osaka, she had a bowl of ramen there that apparently is just the best bowl of ramen she ever had in her life. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you disagree. If well, it I wasn't, wasn't Tonkotsu. I wasn't there. <laughs> I was like, tell me where this place is. I need to go visit it now. Yeah. And she's, I don't remember. Yeah. It was someplace I walked into. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check out the food if you're in Osaka. Yeah. Any food they got other places in Japan, they're going to have it in Osaka too. Mm -hmm. So if you want to visit Osaka, like I said, it's just about two and a half hours on the bullet train from Tokyo. Super easy. Once you're in Osaka, it's super easy to get around. You know, a lot of the stuff I mentioned is pretty walkable. It also has a very well-developed train system, yep. just like Tokyo, yep. another huge city, you know? Get around, no problem. Yep. The last note I have is Osaka is known for its nightlife a little bit. So lots of bars, lots of fun things to do. We've mentioned all-you-can-drink karaoke before. Mm. That's a big thing in Osaka. Fun. For about 25 bucks. Nice. You just get in there all you can drink and sing. Uh, there's a lot of game bars too, which we talked about recently. Yeah, in the themed restaurants episode. Right? Yeah. I did see one of those there, yeah. They even have a board game bar. Fun. So you all just drink and play board games. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It sounds really fun to just meet a bunch of strangers and like really get to know each other over an hour-long board game or something, you know? And yeah. then you're just your friends now and you can go hang out and go bar hopping together or something. As long as you don't get that one sore loser who like flips the game halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure you'd have a good time. You got anything else for us about Osaka, Jason? I think that's all I got. All right. I guess that's it. Uh, if you want to see pictures of cool stuff in Osaka, I have posted plenty on Instagram. We're at SJP Podcast. You want to send us an email? Tell us about your experience in Osaka. We want to hear about it. You can reach us at feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Paul, what's up for the next episode? 
We're going to talk about graveyards and funerals slash death rituals in Japan. How morbid. Yeah, you're going to be into it. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great. This one was actually requested, right? Yeah, a friend of the podcast on Instagram requested this episode. You know who you are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we got a request because I posted a picture of uh, the most famous cemetery in Japan, Okunoin in Koyasan. So yeah, somebody suggested an episode about cemeteries. And we're going to expand that to just cover all death-related stuff. Because, I mean, it's, it's always interesting to see how different cultures handle death, you know? I can just see us leading it, leading into the next podcast. So, so you go to Japan, and then you die. <laughs> What's going to happen to you next, Jason? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. We'll find out. Yeah, it almost feels like we should save this for, uh, for Halloween, the next Halloween episode, but... There's too many good topics for that. I know. If we, we, we've got some stuff. Yeah, if we waited for each Halloween for each creepy episode... We'd be doing this for a hundred years. Yeah, there's just too much good <laughs> stuff. But yeah, okay. Uh, look forward to that. Thanks for listening. See you next time.